Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's a bong in the shape of a penis that my friend Eddie got while he was working as a researcher on The Graham Norton Show. You just couldn't make this up. Here's a Bill Clinton corkscrew and a Hillary Clinton nutcracker. No comment. And today, I'm talking to the lovely Bowen Yang. I was still in the AIM chat rooms, digitally cruising uh, at, in 2008. Like, this was, like, like, like years <laughs> after it was cool, years after people were doing it. Welcome, bienvenue. Welcome. Bowen Yang is on, as we say in show business, a roll. He has had the most incredibly successful two-year run thus far on Saturday Night Live. He is the first ever Chinese-American cast member of that show and only the third openly gay male one. He also hosts a podcast uh, called Las Culturistas with Matt Rogers. And we first worked together properly uh, recently on another podcast series, this time for Audible, called Hot White Heist. I directed it. It was written by Adam Goldman. And it is a sperm bank heist series. That's right, sperm. And actually, sperm, I'm going to keep saying it, sperm features very heavily in the item from Alan Cummings' shelves that I brought down today to discuss with Bowen. Bowen, do you know the thing, the item I have from my shelves today? Well, you don't know, but I'll tell you. Do you want to know? Okay. I do, yes. It's, is it, can you hear it? What is that? What is that? Well, what it is is, you'll never guess. It's actually <laughs> a sort of like a, a fat, if you can imagine, a fat test tube. Okay. Like I always think of a test tube as a really skinny thing, sort of like a cigar-sized test tube. Sure. Uh, which is, uh, which is, has a little screw-top thing. And inside it is a, a, a milky-coloured... <laughs> Substance and uh-huh. what it is 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 that Jeremy, who I'm not sure if you met, who is the sound designer for Hot White Heist, the uh, podcast which you uh, started, yes. which uh, our, our our mutual darling friend Adam wrote and I directed. And you directed. He sent us at the end of the uh, 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 when we finished as uh-huh. a present a really delicious cocktail that he <laughs> a special Hot White Heist cocktail that was in that's white. Like the sperm, which My is a central part of the story. Yes. And it came in a test tube, like the test tubes of all the sperm that we, that in the story we stole. It's, it was so fascinating. I've never directed a sort of an oral thing before. Sure. And so I, it's so fascinating to me how um, attuned I am to your voice. 
<gasps> and all your little quirks in your voice. Sure. And, your, I, and it's so, it's almost, I almost feel I have a, a fetish for your uh, <laughs> vocal skills. Is it, uh, is it, has it reached the point of fetish, fetishization or are you, I would imagine that you're sick of it by now. Just having to hear it, <laughs> just different, different takes of the same lines and No, but I, it's I just, uh, well, no, it's actually was really, you know what I thought was really great about you? Well, many things, but one of the things I was really impressed by you uh, about was that you, uh, there was so, you were in the whole thing. And you worked with so many different people. And of course, hardly any of them you actually work with in real life. You know, sure. it's, it's the way these things are done. I mean, I, I mean, there's a couple, I suppose. You worked with Bianca a couple of times, did you? Bianca yep. Del Rio? Bianca and MJ, and yeah. Maybe, and then did you do stuff with some of the lesbians? It was just, just, it was just MJ. It was just MJ and Bianca. MJ Rodriguez and Bianca. So, I, you know, the bulk of it. You do, Anyway, you, I was very impressed by really? how you were able to, yes, but how you were able to... Uh, you know, in tune, uh, both the other actor who you weren't seeing's um, uh, patterns of speech and also adjust to the sort of, because, you know, it's a funny thing, but of course it's also got, you know, highs and lows and darks and lights in terms of the vocal tone of it. I really was very impressed with you, Bowen. What I found very remarkable about this is, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean for us to just jerk each other off, but we, I mean, you, I feel like we're, because <laughs> I, I listened back to the episodes because Adam sent me the episodes um, the final cuts, I think, and then I uh-huh. listened to them, and I was there. There were moments where I was like, "Whoa, how did I think to read it that way, or how did I do that, or how did like?" I was like, "I was like, it must have, it must have been Alan who teased that <laughs> out of me because because oh, I mean, well, you, you must, know, yes, I'm sure it was. It, it <laughs> must have been you because you know what? It, because you know what I think I'm cursed with now is that um, working what? on a show like SNL, you it's a sketch show it's live and it, 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 it there's something theatrical about it in the presentation and, and then the style and the tone that i'm like i think i'm forever cursed to default to a big broad read of everything well you see and, Bowen, I, I have to stop you there because i i thought you might be like that i actually thought really? that and it makes it makes sense to think that's a logical sort of thing and indeed i have worked with, with other um you know people who've been on snl before and, and sometimes they are like that or they, sure. you know, they can tone it down of course but they're you know default thing because you're so used to uh performing in that sort of way but you weren't like that you really weren't i i was oh, i was wow. again I was, I was very impressed with you another reason i'm so full of admiration for you lip syncing and you do these great uh, lip sync videos that uh, you've been doing for a long time and uh, lip sync of uh, various sort of films and all, all these different things and sort of interviews yes. and sort of, sort of classic sort of uh, cultural moments. I, and I, it's so funny because I, I'm curious about when you are an expert lip syncer, as you are, does it make you, are you judgy of, people uh, who, are, who claim to be lip syncers. And I, I'm going to preface this or you okay. know, um, uh, okay. prefix this by saying I am very judged. I am not a lip syncer at all, but I think it, I'm talking about drag queens here and it's one of my yes, things about yes. club coming. I, I, club, my, I, 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 my worry, my sort of worst nightmare is that club coming becomes a, 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 a drag bar with bad lip syncing drag queens. Sure, and I, sure. I have a rule that I would much prefer that drag queens sing live at club coming if we're going to, to lip sync, then you better fucking know the words, bitch. Because like, yes. how difficult is it? If that's your thing, no, don't put the microphone in front of your mouth like that so we can't see your lips. Learn the fucking thing and lip, I mean, lip sync for your life, literally. Do Lit- it. And literally. 
it annoys me so much. It really, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real pet peeve of mine, Bowen. I wonder how you feel it, uh, about it being as you are a, an expert lip syncer. Well, I you know it's funny. It's funny to um, hear the business owner's perspective on this because, of <laughs> course, you would. Of course, you would want to curate um, acts and talent that would be that would meet a standard. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. right. Because like when when someone doesn't know the words, or you know, when the when when the <laughs> flaps are off, when it's unsynchronized, and literally, mm. you know, it, it takes you out of it. Um, yeah. But I I don't think I'm an expert. I think what I think what those videos are a product of are me. Each one of those um videos I do like over a hundred takes. Like I mean it's just because right. I don't want to because because I am like truly, truly keying into like if my mouth is even slightly missing what the yes, air yes. that's being pushed <clears throat> out of the person's uh, the, the the original person's mouth is. If it's not mismatched, if it's just slightly out of sync then it's then it's then it's trash then it goes in the garbage and um right you know but i i, I, I yeah. admire that hugely but oh, yeah good, it must be a, it's a bit of a pressure don't you think sure but it, but it develops i mean it honestly this sounds so silly and frivolous but it develops a work ethic in in terms of mm. the creative process or not it's not even but this is the thing it's not the thing i stopped doing those because i thought you know this is not a generative creative thing it is it is purely an interpretation of something that already exists mm. i'm not mm. putting something new out into the world and for, for for i mean i guess back then when i decided to not do them anymore i was really i had just started working in snl and i i was being very insecure about like my output there and i was like god i'm not writing i'm not writing at the level that I want to be writing at. And that is, and writing is the most generative thing you can do. And in, 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 mm. in terms of uh, a creative life. And I was just like, I need to maybe yes. demarcate this and not do these anymore. But, um, that's interesting. I yeah. see them. I, I sort of saw them as like a, as a homage though. Sure. And, uh, absolutely. It's always, it's, it's always a tribute to what it is. Yeah. I'm not so impressed, though, Bowen, by our other <laughs> oh, no. uh, connection. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which is that in Schmigadoon, the top international yes! um, Apple uh, TV, uh, Apple Plus TV. Is it Apple TV Plus or Apple Plus TV? I think it's Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. I, that's the order, that, yeah. Uh, so I'm in that, and yes. uh, I, I saw it. I think it's great. And you uh, uh, wrote, or co-wrote one of the episodes. Uh, that's right. Which is the only episode I am not in. In. Ah, Alan. Well, because mm-hmm. you know what they did is mm-hmm. that they consolidated some episodes. So Julie Klausner wrote a separate episode. I wrote uh, my own episode, and and, and for um, various reasons that um, I, I'm oh. not privy to. They, they well, it was going to be episode. more episodes, and they made it down to six, didn't they? They made it down to six, which I'm sure is still like the the the. I'm sure they figured it out in terms of the pacing, but um, but that's oh, but that that is so disappointing. But how is but but tell me I about know, that. It, but how was that for you? Oh, it was great. It was such fun. I really loved it. And I have seen it. And I do think it's really, really good. It's very, it's sort of, you know, charming, uh, mm-hmm. hilarious, witty, very witty, very, very witty and clever. And yeah. it's all these sort of, you know, homage, both a homage and a parody of the sort of Hollywood, 1950s Hollywood musical form. Yeah. And, uh, and also very touching as well. In very touching. Ways. I mean, it's such a, you know, me and Fred Armisen become a couple. Well, spoiler alert, but me spoiler. and Fred Armisen become a cu- couple. And it's actually really cute. 
um, and uh, stuff like that. But um, ha- so I were you, I'm intrigued about how you came, uh, you came involved with that one because yeah. you were a writer on SNL first of all. You were hired first as a writer. So when yes. you go as a writer, do you get kind of like put on to other uh, Broadway video, which is the parent company uh, shows? Yeah, um, it's 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 not exclusively what happens with people, but it's but it's very common. And um, Cecily and I had developed a nice rapport even in in my first season there, writing. And uh, she sort of I think it was through her she had mentioned to um, Cinco that uh, I might have been good. We, I interviewed and it was it was great. And then um, that was a very sort of. Um, it was a very dense summer of work because I had just come well, off my first season. Doing? Well, I was, I was, I just finished writing. So, so that first season at SNL, no matter what your role is there, no matter what department you're in, no matter what you, what capacity you're working um, there at, it's mm. a, it's a crucible of a year where you just kind of are, you know, your, 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 your molecular structures like sort of re reorient themselves like i mean you are a changed person by the time you're done and i i I felt that way very much because it was just very it was kind of my first true profession it was like you know kind of a quantum leap in terms of like i was you know growing up yeah job definitely i was i was kind of just you know doing shows uh around brooklyn at night but i was also working a day job and then booking under fives here and there. And then, you know, that, that was like what I was used to for a while. What, then, what do you mean the, booking under fives? Like uh, booking like roles that were under five lines, um, like on like oh, various I see. shows Is that, that shot in New York. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think, or maybe it's, maybe it's like a, Oh, because you have not, you've had the benefit of not having to worry about under fives, I think in your <laughs> career, Alan, but oh I think, God. um, but I, but no, but that's like a fun little thing that people are like, Oh yeah, it's an under five. Um, oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah, isn't it fun? But we, mm. um, but I, I, I can't, was coming off of that, and then the the week after the season ended at SNL, um, Schmickajun started mm. the writers' room, and that was ten weeks, and uh-huh. um, just a lot of us sitting around. You know, you know, you know how writers' rooms are. Maybe it's like you you just kind of cross your arms yes. and sort of stare at the floor for a little bit. Um, for a lot and of it, and then blab on a yeah. lot and just kind of sh- yeah. But I was just thinking as well that we actually have been in another program together, which was uh, the Outs, which was the Outs, and that's that's the whole Adam Goldman connection, and oh, yes. the Outs, wow, so that great. was so great, so great, and um, you oh you you you, you, you got know- to play yourself. I played myself, which I love playing yes. myself. That's the th- yes. one of the good things about getting older. <laughs> and um, is that you get to display yourself, obviously, and also a very heightened, hilarious version of yourself. Of course. I played myself on a few things. I played myself in um, Broad City as well. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, with a lot of drag queens. Uh, so I love playing like the sort of a version of myself that I I think is quite fun. And, and uh, you know, I like, I like, usually, I like people's idea of myself, you know, of who I am. There's a meta commentary when you play yourself because it's like because you because I, and I guess in Broad City and in the outs it was like the acknowledgement to the audience that like you guys know who Alan Cumming is and that he is right. this he is this <clears throat> figure and this fixture and and isn't it fun to play in that thought yeah, space or whatever yeah I I love that actually I think that's a very the meta ness of it I really do uh, like, and I've actually enjoyed that mm-hmm. in other ways in my work and in, in that. Um, 
you know, playing versions of character, playing characters that are kind of versions of who people I think I am, or mm-hmm, playing characters mm-hmm. where I, I'm very not like that person, but the odd by the very fact of me playing it, the odd I'm wink, I'm able to wink at the audience. Yeah, do you see what I mean? That's really I, no, interesting. Absolutely, to me. absolutely. Yeah. How did you come to know Adam? I came to know Adam. Well, I was I was a fan of the first season of The Outs. I, I just because. Uh-huh. It had it had come out at a time when there was truly it was it was kind of a dark age in terms of like queer media at all. And then the mm. fact and then the outs was really kind of a thing that was this kind of life raft that I think a lot of queer people sort of mm. just just hitched themselves to. Because it's um, like twenty twelve, wasn't it? The 2012. first twenty twelve. Yeah. It was twenty twelve. Where were you in like, your life then? I had just graduated NYU from as a chemistry major and um I was in a I was in the throes of a depression because I uh was doing I was I was doing comedy as an extracurricular. I was I was um just performing and, and we were we would, you know, just perform throughout the city and then and tour and, mm. and in our in our vague little way in our in our sort of Who, who's who's we? We it was, it was it was it was my college improv group and it was a lot of people who oh. would end up working um uh, at jobs that I've worked at, um, the head writer of S- one of the head writers of SNL now is, is is an alum of this college improv group that I was oh. on, and then um, very close friends were on the sketch group and and, and all that. So it was a very right. close knit thing that it was it was the most meaningful thing I did in college, despite the fact that I was the plan was I was supposed to go to med school, but then I I, I went to I went to commencement, and I decided to. So at commencement at, Yan- at Yankee Stadium for NYU, you're supposed to sit with your school, whether it's the liberal arts thing or it's the individualized study school. I decided mm-hmm. to sit with my friends, and I was with the Tish kids. And I looked around, controversial. and everyone, not even controversial. It was just, but it was me realizing, oh wait, I I picked the wrong thing to do in college. Uh, boy, and that's so interesting you say that because I, there's a concept that I am so fascinated by. It's a, yeah. it, there's a there's a there's a playwright called David Herson who wrote a genius play called La Bette that's got this uh, I did uh-huh. it centuries ago and it was done Broadway but anyway he's a great 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 writer but he wrote another play Wrong Mountain was this play which Wrong was Mountain. like a man he it's it's basically the concept that you you climb and climb and climb up this mountain right oh life is it's mm-hmm. a metaphor for life you climb up this mountain and you get to the top and you're like oh hooray and then you look over and you think oh shit over there that's the mountain I was supposed to go up Oh, and then you God. Said, so that's kind of what you were like in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, and I feel like that's just illustrative of life in general. I, I feel like there's some like mm. Wizard of Oz tie-in too, where it's like the journey is not what it's you a, thought yes. it was. Oh, it's about the journey, and, not the destination, and stuff like that. But even then, it's like, even then, it's like sometimes you pour in all this, you invest all this time and energy and emotion into something that was was the wrong thing in a sense and and mm. and you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't regret it just a little bit if you didn't if you didn't think god mm. i fucked up um and that's how i felt that's how i felt and then i was in a depression and i was like i so then my parents were like uh so i decided not to go to med school my parents were like okay but you better figure out how you're gonna live in new york and so i was working mm. this temp job and then that's when i discovered the outs and then years later i semi-established myself um doing just like 
bar basement shows in Brooklyn doing comedy and then mm-hmm. wanted to produce a show that was all gay men doing an episode of Sex in the City, doing a staged adaptation of a Sex in oh, the yes. City episode. And then I, I yeah. just reached out to Adam cold, emailed him, um, told him what a fan I was. And then he was so generous with his time and then emailed back, was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then, and then we just became friends through that. And then since then, we've just kind of run into each other in these very meaningful ways professionally where I, I'm sure we will work together again. And I'm sure that's how you feel about him. It's like, it's like, Oh, he's the, what a great, what a great person and great mind. Yeah. I adored Adam. And you know, the thing is that, the, kind of the way that you um, reached out to him was exactly the way that I did. So I saw the first um, season of the X, which was on, mm. you know, just on YouTube. It was, it yeah. wasn't on, uh, it was kind of the early days of those. It was one of the first sort of, um, uh, web, series. web series about uh, yeah one of the first web series actually yeah. uh but also uh, there, there was quite a lot there became a sort of proliferation of sort of you know uh, gay millennial uh web series but mm-hmm. what i thought was incredible i always say this about adam and i st- even in hot white house you know which is a very broad it's a sort of a uh, it's got it's it's tender as well there's such heart yeah. to it. And even he was able to do this kind of millennial Brooklyn people trying to find themselves sort of thing, which in some ways you think, yuck, I've seen, I know exactly what that is, but you don't because he does it with such heart and such sort of idiosyncrasy. Uh, That's what, so I, 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 someone said, oh, you like this thing. And I, so I watched it and then I, I wrote, I wrote, I said on Twitter or something that I liked it. And then he kind of tweeted back and blah, blah, Mm. blah. And then I thought, you know what? I think he's a great, I think he's a real talent. I'm going to reach out to him. I always think it's, you know good in these situations that you if you you know what does it cost you and just reach out and say you know let's have lunch i think you're great and um so we had lunch and um i i we i thought it was charming and um then then that's then he said oh i said about how much i enjoyed the outs and then he said oh well why don't you why why don't you be in it so i played myself in in the first season then i came back in the season second season which you were in and so i think it's a really interesting thing about seizing the moment in that way. Like now I say to people, well, like I said to you earlier, like I, I, uh-huh. I, I think it's really important to just say when you admire someone. Oh, because, yeah. Not because you might get a job from them, but just because it doesn't cost you anything and it's actually uh, makes your connection uh, more honest and authentic and stronger. Hello there. This is my friend Joe. Hi. Now, Joe plays rugby for England. Yeah, what's your point? Come on. Well, Joe presents a podcast and it's my firm belief that you should listen to it. Very interesting. And here's why. Because it's not actually a rugby podcast because, well, let's face it, there's billions of them already. No, 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 no. It's about you, the listener, and the jobs you do. If you're a teacher, an astronaut, a tree surgeon or a chef then we've got loads of questions for you. The Joe Marler Show, because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. That's a great line. That's a, that is a very good line from you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. You want to find it? Search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. Because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm curious, uh, Bowen, um, pivoting on the gay theme, to your um, coming out in this, because I read that you, uh, I'm just really curious, your mum and dad found out because they, they, they were, a computer was left open and you'd been on a chat with someone and something yes. like that. Is that, is that the case? That is the case. What did you say? What did they see? Do you, do you mind? What did, the, what did they see? Like was it something really dirty and awful? It was so dirty. It was. It was. Um. <laughs> this was, and I think I feel like it was even. Um, I was still on the AIM chat rooms, which which I with oh, if, AIM, if you ask gosh. AIM right. So if you if you ask anybody like to place it to give it a year, they would say oh two thousand three, two thousand two, two thousand four, or like <laughs> that range. I was doing this. I was still on the AIM chat rooms, digitally cruising uh, at in 2008 like this was like 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 years <laughs> after it was cool years after people were doing it right you know like in, in, in a in a wide manner but i but that's what it was it was just me and some guy from texas who said he was like you know 22 while i was like 17 which is i mean it's not like i guess it, i know i guess that is illegal i don't know anyway is um it, but yeah. what is the age of consent now 18 18 18 but i don't know isn't it 16 it, it's 18. It might be 16 in some states, but in Colorado, where I was mm. growing up, it was 18. And oh, then it was just, but anyway, it was in Colorado. And um, so I, we were in Denver and then my parents, yes, found this chat window. And then, I mean, after I, I'd never seen, I'd seen my mother cry several times, but I'd never seen my father cry. Not even when his father had passed away before. And then just coming home to them every day. This was senior year of high school, coming home to them every day. Mm to them sobbing and just to them thinking like, oh, I, I like there's like, I, there was some duty bound thing in me as like a child of immigrants where I was like, I have to fix this in some way. Like, um, mm. or I have to like go along with what they think is, um, appropriate. They were, they, I mean, they were, too, they're, they're both scientists. Like they're solutions oriented people in some way. They're mm. analytical in, 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 in that way. So they, so, they, they wanted to fix you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to the cause to them it was to them it was something that sort of needed it, they kind of projected onto me this idea that like you don't want this. You don't want this for yourself. And then mm. uh I came home one day uh in the spring, my dad had pulled up this ex gay therapist in Colorado Springs. It's a two hour drive each way from Denver. Um I, there was sort of some ultimatum where I could go to college out of state if uh I if I completed some eight week sort of block with this therapist and then I could go to NYU because my sister was already there and live with her and she was, she would sort of be um, mediating between my parents and me. And then, um, which which is like, that's like a gay conversion. Yes. 
That's right. And that's did right. you go to did you go to a sort of a camp thing or or was it just like a therapy? It was with just one on one. Yeah, it was just uh, it was just one person and um and then he asked me uh uh the first session uh do you want this to be secular or do you want this to be Christ centered? That that was the terminology, Christ centered. And I said I said I guess I'll make it secular, but then the fact that like I st- I, th- that sticks with me all these years later because the fact that he gave me the options is giving me the illusion <laughs> of choice in a way because I, even if it's secular then then his what he's being informed by is religion you know it's like oh yeah. the, the, this you know like this is this is a religious thing for you even though you are reassuring me that this is that this methodology is not religious anyway it was just it was just a very interesting thing and um i love christ centered i think that's such a hilarious centered i know (laughs) just linguistically it just just sounds it just sounds weird but it's like um, a donut or something i don't know there's something (laughs) weird about it (laughs) christ and every donut jesus is in the center is in the hole Jesus, Jesus is in, in the, the hole. hole. Jesus is in the hole. Something that's like a pop song too. That could be Jesus, Jesus is in the hole. Jesus is in the hole. The hole. Da, 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 da. Carrie Underwood would sing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've known people over the years, friends, you know, who've been whose parents have sent them to these various forms of gay conversion. And um <clears throat> you know, one one of the and and also I know a friend who kind of went undercover into one, you know, to sort of research something. Oh, interesting. And yeah. uh, I found it so hilarious because some of them are, I mean, when it's the religious ones, they're so nutty and weird. But it's, the ones when it's sort of things like, you know, don't wear Calvin Klein underwear. Just basically, what if you don't wear Calvin Klein underwear, that is actually you know, 75% the way to being straight. And then there was another I one that, it. Um, it, with, a, with a lesbian, that was basically giving lesbians makeup classes. And, and so there's poor lesbians oh, wow. have all this plastered and all this kind of, you know, middle-aged lady makeup standing by a water fountain waiting to kind of like try and, <laughs> chat up boys i mean things like that i think are hilarious and those actually exist that out there that basically you know if you just wear the right kind of underwear or if you put makeup on or if you you know uh do sports i mean people actually think that's that's oh, yeah. what it takes i, I find that sure. just terrifying actually it's terrifying Before but, but you're right get it's to the it... religion bit oh yeah i mean it's terrifying and but like you said funny it's like what is like the the, the the things rarely intersect at those things, and and I think conversion mm. therapy as a concept like is that little nexus in such a crazy way. But I mean, I I only had this therapist who was honestly very insidious in a way that like he made it seem like it was regular talk therapy up until and then until and then like the fourth or fifth session. He sort of like very gradually introduced all these ideas, like like sort of pathologizing my attraction to to men and just saying, you know, the reason, the and only had, reason. Had, he, yeah. Had you had any therapy of any kind before that? No, that was my first encounter. So, and, and, so yeah. you thought it was just kind of like regular, just chit chat about stuff. And then suddenly he's like, wham. Exactly. But and even now looking back, I mean, this is probably there's probably some bias here because it was my first experience. But but now I've, I've had plenty of experience in therapy that is completely that is actually trying is trying to undo and unlearn what, what happened in those sessions. But mm. but even now looking back, I go, but, you know, he this guy was really good at making it on on the surface look like it was something very uh, unthreatening and harmful, positive. Yeah. Mm, but that's really that interesting. Was, yeah, it's very. And how long did that last? It was only it was only eight or eight to ten weeks because this was the summer right before I went to college, and then I decided to go to NYU because my sister was there. And mm. I mean, it was so funny. It's so funny that like 
go to conversion therapy. Now go to the gayest private university <laughs> in the country. <laughs> yes. Um, but then, but that's what, that, that's what happened. Feel, did you feel at the end of this eight weeks that, did you sort of think, okay, I'm not gay now. I've got it sussed. And, or did you, how did you, how, how did you think about it? I went in thinking, I went in thinking I'm doing this for the, for my father, um, uh, because this is something that he, that is going to assuage something in him and my mother and my mother. And I'm doing this so that I am able to like have an escape plan, not mm. an escape plan in like the dire sense, but like, I need to not be in Colorado. Um, I just need to like, I need to like actually like sort of like a compromise. Exactly. Um, and so I went in thinking this isn't real. And then midway through, I was like, okay, let's just try this out. And then in the last session, my, my therapist kind of outed himself by, by accident. Um, what well, he was gay. That, Cause he was, that he was still gay in a way because he was kind of like, he was kind of trying to wrap things up by kind of giving some anecdote about quote unquote, one of his former patients. And then he switched from the third person in the narration to the first unknowingly. And then it was very clearly a story about him, about how he, uh, months ago had pulled over, um, uh, at like 3 a.m. into um, a Denny's because his car broke down and then he almost fucked the waiter or something like some crazy <gasps> oh story. But then, God. but then like, but yeah, but then like the story, he's, he switched from <laughs> talking about he, 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 my former patient to I, 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 me. And it was clearly about him. And I was like, and then that sort of broke the spell um, fragile as it was when I left. And I was like, man, but then I truly, Alan, like honest to God, gave it a shot in college because mm. I was like, well, my, my sister's watching me. I can't really be like outwardly gay. Well, she was like the, she was like the spy, the family spy kind of. And, and it was really, sh- it was, it was kind of shitty to put her in that place because yes, I don't think yes. she would have wanted to, if she had her way, it, it would not have gone that way. But I, mm. uh, I went to NYU being like, well, I might as well reinvent myself cause it's college. And let me just try this out. And I did think that I was in love with one girl. And like maybe, I, and maybe like years later, I, I stand by that. But anyway. Yeah, by the time my sister moved out, uh, when she graduated, I, the second she moved out, I came out to You're everybody. Like, Come like, on, boys. Gay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but it's so funny. My first apartment, my first apartment, Alan, was 6th Street and Avenue A. And I, I was right oh. by, and every night when walking home, I would walk by right Eastern by Club Block. Coming. Right, yes. I, and back then it was Eastern Block, and I would walk by and just see all the men pour out. And I was like, God, I want to be there, you know, someday. What, and you and, never, um, what, you were too, oh, yeah. because your sister, you were living with your sister then? Or? I was living with my sister, no, and I was what? too young, and I was, and I, you know, I was, oh, I, I, young, can't, I moved course, to New York yeah. when I was 17. Yeah, I moved, moved oh. to the same when I was 17. And then it, was, it wasn't until senior year that I turned 21. Um, and by then, uh. by then Eastern Block was, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you had been, you had obviously been, right, before before you, you bought it for yourself? Oh, gosh, yeah. Eastern Block was my favorite bar in New York City. I'm, you know, I live mm-hmm. in the East Village. Eastern Block was my favorite bar. I bought mm-hmm. my favorite bar That's, in the world. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that that's what happened. I really do. Yeah, yeah. But when... Um, Thank you so much for doing Thank this. Uh, it's been lovely to chat to you. And uh, it's so funny that I will always associate uh, you. Uh, you will always be connected to in my brain, in my life, with uh, sperm. With sperm. Uh, oh, is, I that's think a lovely We're forever connected by male seed because I of Hot White Heist. It. I it's love not it. too and shabby. It's not too shabby. And, it was, and Alan, it was really a dream come true to work with you. And um, even now oh. to talk to you because... 
I've just admired you all my life, and you really oh, are. You really have. Um, you've you've just you've just made so much space for for us to do this. So thank you so much. Ah, oh, Bowen, that's so lovely. You take care. Thank you so much. Well, it's time to put my former spermy cocktail test tube away. I hope you've enjoyed this chat with the lovely Bowen, and I hope you'll join me next time on Alan Cummings Shelves. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the Acast Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.